0: good morning again hope you all had a great week so i don't know if you watched the news at all or anything but there was a powerball drawing that happened this week if you didn't know about it it was 2.04 billion dollars and there was somebody that won it it wasn't me i never bought anything thought maybe i could win through osmosis or something but did not happen billion dollars was won. Now I I did the math on this because it's like that's that's a lot of money. How much do they actually get out of that? So out of the 2.0, or actually not, it wasn't 2.04; it was 2.4, even more. If you win, you're immediately obviously taxed. Yay, government. 24%. So they get 576 million dollars. You're immediately taxed out of that because that's what automatically comes. And then you now are bumped into the highest tax bracket that there is, the top 1%, as they say. That's 25% of your income. So you're paying another $406 million. You're still left left with $1.34 billion. But then I found out this week that you get a choice to make through this. You can either take the money right away so you can be instantly paid and you will receive 999 million dollars right here and now so you lose half of it right away if you decide to keep it or for the next 29 years you can receive the total lump sum of it which equates about 70 million dollars a year that person's going to struggle i'm sure But, you know, I mean, regardless, you have a lot of money. But I I read an interesting stat as I was looking into all of this. 70% of every single lottery winner ever is bankrupt or has lost all their money within five years. It doesn't matter if they win a million dollars or if they win $500 million. 70% of every single person that has won the lottery is without it in five years. You go from, you know, really having everything to being broke. Now, I'm gonna assume none of us are that rich in here. And if we are, let's become friends. Um, I got a wish list, Christmas is coming up, you know, just kidding, but seriously at the same time. (laughs) But you know, none of us have that much money, but we're all kind of left with that question. And they've asked it before. And it's one that it doesn't matter if you have $2 or if you have $2 million or if you have $200 million. The same answer is always repeated. How much more money do you need to make you happy? And predominantly, the answer is always, well, just a little bit more. You know, right now I'm singing that tune. You know, if I only had an extra couple thousand dollars, then I'd be happy. If I only had a couple million more dollars, then I'd be happy. But we are never truly satisfied. We always want just a little bit more. And boy, could that not be any more true right now. As you know, you're hearing in terms of recession and inflation and gas prices going up. And you're seeing that the dollar doesn't make it so far. You go to the grocery store and you're not quite getting as much bang for your buck as they say and I, I know you maybe you're wondering like where where is this going because people are needing to make cuts somewhere and predominantly when times get tough i would almost guarantee it one of the top places people go to when they say man we're gonna have to make a cut somewhere let's cut what we give you know what let's let's not cut the TV, let's not cut the cell phone, let's not cut back on some of our expenses. Let's make a cut to how much money we give. And that, that kind of leads us into our question today as we've been going through this series that our questions submitted by members of the audience. And today's question is that what is the tithe and why are we commanded to give it? Why do we give to the body of christ why is it that we give in this sense 10% when we consider the term tithe why do we give so much money especially when i could make that and my life could be a little bit easier what is the tithe and why is it commanded we're gonna pray before we go any further and then we'll dive into this so if you'll just join me father god you're so good And God, man, it it was just encouraging to be able to sing praises to you. And God, it's not about who we are as we sang that song, but solely about who you are. And so I just pray that as we look at this question and as we see the deeper meaning behind it, may you be the one that our thoughts and our minds are directed towards. And God, may we just take that step of faith in you and just live our lives for you. So God, speak to us here and now, and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray this. Amen. So what is the tithe? So if if you grew up in church, you're probably familiar with that term, and so your mind probably went to, well, it's a tenth. That's actually what tithe means. When you read in the Bible, tithe, it means a tenth. We first see this in Genesis chapter 14. Abraham is going to rescue Lot. He's been captured by the five kings. And so Abraham is going to fight the five kings and he defeats them. He rescues his nephew Lot. And as he's coming back, he has this encounter with a man named Melchizedek. This is in Genesis chapter 14, starting in verse 17. This is the first time we see a tithe being given in the Bible. It says, after his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheba, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of most high God. And he blessed him, Abraham, and said, blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything, a tithe. He gave him 10% of what he had. And then you fast forward a couple generations, and you have Abram who gave birth to Isaac. Isaac had Esau and Jacob, and Jacob, you know, deceives Isaac. And so Jacob is on the run, kind of, because he has deceived Isaac, received the birthright blessing that was supposed to go to Esau. So he's on the run, and he encounters God in a dream. And this is in Genesis chapter 28, verse 20. The second time we see the tithe, the first time it's given to God. It says, Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, God, I will give a full tenth to you. I will give you a tithe. But notice kind of the condition that Jacob is setting up there. God, if you're faithful to me, if you bless me, then I will return to you. If you keep me on this path and you return me to my father's house, then I will give you 10%. I'll give you the first 10th, the tithe. But really it's not for 500 more years that the tithe is not officially commanded. Because right now you have Abraham and his lineage, and there's the promise of the people of Israel, but we don't have the people of Israel until roughly 500 more years. Whenever they become a people, they're enslaved in Egypt, and then God delivers them through Moses, and he gives them the promised land. And right before they're about to enter the promised land, God gives them the riveting book of Leviticus. If you need sleep, read it. It'll help you out. But in it, God is setting up, this is how my people are going to live. This is the standard that I'm going to set. And this is how you are going to be set apart as my people. And in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, God declares the tithe for him. He says, every tithe of the land, so every tenth, 10% of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, it is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So, right there, God is saying that whatever you produce out of the ground, 10% is going to be set apart for God. You're going to give it to God. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 14, this is Moses's like final m- sermons to the people of Israel. They're like right there at the door of the promised land. And Moses is giving them one last reminder of everything. And he says in Deuteronomy 14, verse 22, you, no, yep, you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year, And before the Lord your God in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And then he continues on talking about the tithe, and he ends it up by saying at the end of every three years, you will also give a tithe to the poor and to the Levites. And so God is commanding his people. He's saying you are to give 10%, a tenth to the ministry, to the nation of Israel, to God. And here's a common misbelief. When you hear tithe, and usually whenever you talk to people about like, hey, it's an awkward question to ask, how much do you give to the church? I honestly don't know. But if you would ask somebody, hey, how much do you give to the church? A lot of times people use this 10% a tithe as the base standard but that's not what israel gave israel actually gave more we've already read about three different tithes in total israel if you want to be like well i'm basing it off of old testament law then you're supposed to give roughly 23 of your income because 10 percent god already claimed for himself god said 10% comes to me. Every year, a tenth goes to God, and God uses it to support the Levites. Numbers chapter 18, verse 26. You shall speak and say to the Levites, When you take from the people of Israel the tithe that I given you from them for your inheritance, then you shall present a contribution from it to the Lord, a tithe of the tithe. And so the, the Levites, whenever God gave the promised land to the Israelites, he distributed the land, but the Levites didn't get an inheritance. They were the priests of the people, but they had no allotment of land. And so God is saying that the rest of the Israelites give 10% so that we can support the Israelites and then the Israel or not the Israelites, the Levites. And then the Levites give 10% of what they receive to God. So one tithe, 10%, goes to the Levites. I know this is riveting stuff. Then another 10% goes to celebrate the feast. This is, we just read it in Deuteronomy. He says, you shall take a tithe of all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. So you're giving 10% to the Levites, and then once a year, you are going to the place that God designates, and you are taking 10% of everything that you've grown, and you are giving it to have this huge party. God is a master of parties to have this huge feast to celebrate and remember who god is so there's 20 percent. then at the end of that in verse 28 he says at the end of every three years you shall bring out the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns so this is why i say 23 percent because every three years you give ten percent and so at the end of every three years you lay out the tithe Of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. The Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, the sojourner or the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow who are within your towns, they shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. And so you have 10% to the Levites, 10% to the feast, and then 10% every three years to the fatherless, the foreigner, the Levite. And the widow to provide for them. So, really, the tithe that they gave was 23.333% every year, is what they gave. And God commanded it. Why? Why did they give the tithe at that time? Well, Israel is a new nation. The original setup for Israel is that God would be their king. I've been reading in my own personal study, I just got to 1 Samuel. Where they say, you know what, God, we want to be like every other nation. Give us a king. And God's like, "Uh, you have me. You have me who goes before you to battle. You have me who provides for you. You have me who governs for you. And they're like, can we just be like everybody else? Make for us a king. And God's like, if you get a king, he is going to tax you. He is going to recruit you for war. He is going to recruit you to serve him. And they're like, yep, that's exactly what we want. We don't want you, God. We want them. The original makeup that God had for Israel was to be governed by God through the Levites. And so the tithe, it's a bad analogy because I know how we feel about it, was like taxation. Don't hate me for saying that. But it was like, hey, we're going to give to the Levites so that the Levites can govern and guide and judge us. So that they can be our leaders. That was why it was given, for the Levites to govern, for the feast of the celebration, and for the poor in the land. And that's just a couple of reasons, but I feel like, honestly, that's what the Bible says the tithe was commanded. But I think today, we have a different reason. I think that today, the giving is for an entirely different reason. And I think it comes down to trust. It comes down to trust in God. Because think of it this way. What does God need from you? I mean, what does God really, like honestly, does God need me to give him X amount of dollars? Because boy, if I don't, Center Christian Church is no longer going to exist. And God's going to be up there like, oh man, I'm looking at my budget this week, and we're about 50k in the red. Like, I need people to start giving more because my hands are going to be tied. God doesn't need that. Actually, Psalm chapter 50, verse 10 through 11 tells us what God needs. He says, every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. I need nothing. You have nothing to give me that can have you tie my hands. You cannot give me enough to where I'm like, who? now, now I'm settled. God says I own it all. All the cattle on a thousand hills, they're mine. All the birds of the field, I know them. I have everything. God does not need anything. So again, why are we commanded to give? And I'm gonna hit on this real quick here. Why is it important to give to the local church? You know, it's like, well, I can I give my money overseas, I don't need to give to the local church. Why, Why do we encourage giving at a local church? Scripturally, these are reasons that we give to the local church. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 through 2. Paul says that I'm going to come, and when I, when I come, I'm going to take a collection. And so he says, on the first day of every week, take a collection so that when I come, there no longer needs to be a collection. Because he's going to go back to Jerusalem and help out the brothers and sisters that are in Jerusalem. So we give to the local body so that through the local body, we can reach people. Because where my little bank account can make a little impact, collectively, we can make a much bigger impact. And so we give for that reason. We give so that we can support missions third john chapter six john says that we john is writing this and he says to give so that you can send them on their journey in a worthy manner and so we we give so that we can help support missions and i'll tell you from the moment i came to this church till now this is one thing that i keep hearing people talk about is how well this church gives we give and and Not to brag, but to, hey, congratulations, church. Continue to be faithful. We give $6,400 a month to missions, locally and foreign or internationally. We give to 28 different missions. And by we, I mean you. The body gives. Not only that, though, we provide opportunities through the funds that you give to the church outreach opportunities we just had dinosaurs design and destiny a way to spread god's word and through that we got into the schools and they heard about the creation and about a god who loved them because of your willingness and your generosity to give so that we are able to have these local mission opportunities in which you get to be the missionaries to go and be lights in the world to be the city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So we give for that reason. I don't like touching on this one, but we give for the pastors. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14 says that if you preach the gospel, you get to earn from it. Thank you. I appreciate that. All I'm gonna say about that. And then we also give because we have a beautiful building that God's blessed us with. And we like to keep the lights on. And we like it to be fairly warm in here. And we like to give you comfortable pews to sit on so that you can have a good nap. Just kidding. Sorry. I I was energized before this, and then I got to see Isaiah, who looks just like me. Like, we are dressed the same. All the way to the shoes, people. That kid's good looking. So (laughs) when I saw that, it was like, all right, all bets are off. We're going. Anyways, even if this building burns down we're still going to be the church but god has provided for us and you being faithful has given us these opportunities to do that to advance the kingdom of heaven locally and internationally and so that's why we give but we're in hard times we are in times where again the dollar doesn't go so far And so we hold back some of our giving. We don't give as much. God, he said this in Malachi chapter 3. He was talking to the Israelites at this time, and he said, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you may say, How have we robbed you? In your tithes, and your contribution. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. You see, the whole nation of Israel had been commanded to give and they're like, you know what, we're not gonna. And I don't really know the reason why, but I know the reason in my heart. And it's because, of lack of trust is because times get difficult and it's like, I'm gonna make a cut somewhere and I really like my TV. I really like my comforts. The church probably doesn't need my money or I can cut back a little bit more. And so it seems that we withhold the tithe because we don't trust God. And that's how I wanna wrap up this by talking about that. Because here's, here's the reality of it. We've been talking about Old Testament a lot. There are areas in the New Testament that it says to give an offering. But I would argue that the tithe is an Old Testament command. And we live in New Testament times. And you might think, whew, that's nice. So I don't have to give 10%. I don't have to give 23%. I would argue God says you have to give so much more. It's not just your money. God says, I want your heart. I want your life. I want you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. He wants all of you. The truth is God doesn't need your money. He desires all of you. He desires your life. He doesn't want just 10%. He wants 100% of everything you have, everything you are. Instead of the tithe, God says, give it all So the question that maybe you are wrestling with yourself, because I've had this question too, how much should I give? How much money should I give? We use the 10% as a base model. I mean, that's what tradition and modern churches usually use. We still use the term tithes and offerings. How much should I give? I would say, how much can you give as a step of faith? If what you are currently giving is is just like, hey, we can give this much, and it's comfortable. We're, we're going to give God the leftovers, not the first. Then I would say, maybe up it. What if God asked you to give 5% more? That's my figure that I just made up, but what if God asked you, hey, you know what? Will you take a step of faith, and trust me, that you can give to me. And and the one thing that I see in Malachi chapter three is that God says, bring the tithe before the Lord and see if I will not bless you and open up heaven's doors. And that doesn't necessarily mean, hey, if I give God 10%, he's gonna give me 50% back. What it does mean though, is that a life lived trusting God is a truly blessed life. And so God is saying, where is it that you trust me? In difficult times, I mean, you ask me, hey, Andy, if you would have won the lottery right now, $2.4 billion, I'm the smart one. I would take it over 29 years and be set for life. And it's like, suddenly, you know what? Yeah, I'll give out of that. I got $2.4 billion. I'll give $200 million to the church, but I have an abundance. What about when you have $50 to your name? What about when you are barely able to cover the bills and you're like, oh man, got to make a cut. Are you willing to say, you know what, God, I love you more than TV, more than a fancy cell phone plan, more than a smartphone, whatever it is, God, I trust you and I want to take a step of faith. And so I'm going to give to you out of faith. Why money? Because Jesus argues that there's things that are gonna fight for our worship in life. And he says, money is what's gonna pull you away from that. He tells us in Matthew chapter six, verse 19, he says, do not lay for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then he says in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus sees that what is going to really pull for our worship is the almighty dollar. Why? Because it's how we live. It's hard to not have a dime to your name. If you have money, it's like, all right, I don't have to trust in God because I know where my next meal is coming from. But instead, if you have nothing and you're like, God, I'm gonna give you everything, you're saying, God, I don't need to provide for myself. I trust you. I trust that you're going to provide. Jesus even says, do not worry about tomorrow for you do not know what tomorrow will bring. And then he says, look at the lilies of the fields and they are dressed more gloriously than Solomon in all of his splendor. And the birds, they don't worry, and yet God provides for them. And then he says, how much more will God provide for you? How much more does God care for you? You are his children. He loves you. And he's saying, "Hey, do you trust me with this? Take that step of faith. Are you putting God are you putting your trust in God?" Or are you putting it in your own finances, your own abilities, your own, I got to make sure that everything's lined up or else I don't know what's going to happen. And God's saying, trust me in this. It's an act of faith. It's it's a step of faith to just saying, God, you know what? I, I'm just going to give a little bit more because I trust you. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need a dime out of your pocket because it's already his. But what he wants is for you to take those steps of faith and give to him. I truly believe that if you would just say, you know what, I'm going to— and, and let me take a moment here and say, we don't need your money either. Like, God's going to provide for us. I'm not doing this sermon because it's like, oh, crap. Sorry. Oh, no. Times are tough, and we need more money somebody truly asked this question, but it comes to, are you willing to trust God in this? Because I truly believe that you giving 10 more dollars in faith and saying, God, you know what? I'm going to take the step of faith and I'm going to give just a little bit more is more rewarding than saying, you know what? I got an extra thousand dollars. What are we going to do with it? I guess we'll give it to the church. We don't need it. I The reason I say that is because we see that in the Bible. Jesus in Mark chapter 14 or chapter 10 verse 21, it says, Jesus looking at a man, he said to him, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. But the man was disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful because he had an abundance. Mark chapter 12, Jesus is sitting in the temple, and it says that he's watching people put money into the offering box. And many rich people, they're putting in huge coins. And they're able to be like, you know what, boy, I feel good about myself. I gave this much money. Look at me. But Jesus says a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples in and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. God wants for us to give out of faith, give out of generosity, trusting Him through it all. So, I mean, I'm I'm just going to be bold here and say, this is me, but whatever number makes you uncomfortable, what if you gave that? Because it's like, you know what, God, I'm comfortable with this. I want to trust you, and I'm going to give not out of a begrudging, like, well, man, now I have to, but out of a, I trust you, God. You are not worthy of only 10%. You are worthy of everything I have to give. And so, the question that I have for you that I want you to look in your heart is how is it that you're giving to God? How is it that you are trusting God? If you've hit hard times, or even if you're in great times right now, are you giving out of the generosity and out of the faith of your heart to a God? who provides and who held nothing back he who did not spare his only son but he gave him up for us all are we going to hold back be like god i know you gave me your only son i only got a couple pennies to give you or are we going to say you know what god you gave me everything so therefore i'm going to give you everything Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. This is your true act of worship. He wants your lives. He wants your hearts. He wants all of you. You have to decide how much are you giving him and how much more are you willing to go. So we're going to have this song as Kurt and the ladies come forward. For you to kind of wrestle with that, and I, I hope you do, because I'm trying to wrestle with it myself, of God, where is that line of I trust you this far, but not more? And it's, it's working on me, especially this week. There's been things that have got me like, God, do I really trust you in this? And so I, I hope that you take this song to really pray and talk to God about where your trust is in him. And if if you have not given your life to him, boy, that's a good start to just say, God, you know, I give you everything. I need salvation found in Jesus and I have not received it. And so I'll be at the front. If you need somebody to talk to, come find me. We have men and women in this room right next to you who would love to have a conversation with you. Just grab them, be like, hey, can we have coffee? Can we grab a bite? Can I catch you afterwards and talk to you? Cause I need help through it. Whatever it is during this song, please take the time to respond to God. Father God, we thank you that you have given us everything. God, your word says, for you so loved the world that you gave your only son. You gave him completely. God, thank you for not holding anything back. But there are so many things in this world that try and pull us away from trusting you. As we read the news, we look at the bank accounts, God, we look at the economy, whatever it is, and we follow fear instead of walking in faith and so god i just pray that you work on the hearts of your people this morning whatever it is that you're calling them to do calling me to do give us the faith to step forward in it and to say god we trust you with everything we have and everything we are help us walk in that it's in the name of jesus we pray this